0: Ooh, God's good, isn't he? Amen. Amen. Y'all you'll get out your bulletins. Everybody got a bulletin? We're going to do something fun here for just a minute. Participate if you would. It's free. free participation. Bless you. I got two of you in here now. <laughs> Mr. Ushers, can you all grab some bulletins? please. All right, kids, y'all are going to miss it. Let's see, how fast the, let's see how fast the adults can move. In your bulletin right here under vote, everybody vote for me. Did you get in an argument this morning on the way to church? Did you get in an argument? No, don't, don't answer. By, don't do this. Do this. Answer. Now, we won't know who answered what, maybe. God, God knows. Just kidding. But if you'll scan the QR code, yeah, there we go. We got one. If you'll scan the QR code, it'll take you to a website that you can, it's very easy on your smartphone. So get, get to voting. Let's go. All right, text 222333. That's the number you're texting to. And you put the 344725 for yes, 344727 for no. Did you get in an argument? Did you get in an argument this morning before church? There we go. You can't change your answer. You can only vote once. All right, here we go. There we go. And the yes, the no's are killing. I can't hardly believe it. I can't. There we go. Now, once we hit 40, that's going to be it. We can't do any more unless I pay for it. And I'm too cheap. I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> All right. I don't know about you, but sometimes we get in arguments. Arguments in your family, arguments in a relationship, arguments in your life. Good. We're done. That's it. You can put your phones up. <laughs> Nose. Way to go. Unless you're lying. I guess you could lie. Good. That's, that's encouraging. If y'all like that, we might try that again. Amen. And kids, get a bulletin. Get a bulletin. All right. Everybody get out your Bibles. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount. Last few weeks, we have been talking about broken relationships, and it's so neat that that's the word that you've got from our worship. I don't know if you had... Well, I had talked to you a little bit about what I was preaching on today, but what's what today is about is about restoring relationships. It's so neat. I just feel the Holy Spirit speaking to our church this morning that God is a restorer. Everybody say amen. amen. God's a restorer. God doesn't there's not anything in your life that God can't fix that he wants that needs to be fixed. Now some things he's not going to fix. Some things need to be thrown out. We just had a yard sale. And uh, oh, act like you were a part of that, Pete. You were gone the whole time. <laughs> Bud helped us. Bud has a couple scars on his leg. We, from, from hauling stuff out. We got a we got a friend here. I'm not going to go into that today. I, somebody need to pray for me over that one. But some things need to be cleaned out. You have anything in your house needs to go? Wish you hadn't bought it. You get 10 cents for the dollar for what you put into it. You see it walk off. We, we kind of, in, I don't think Elizabeth intentionally did this, but we kind of had a yard sale when none of our kids were there, so they weren't hanging on to the stuff as we were letting it go. But you know what? There are things in your life, there are things in relationships that need to be uh, cultivated, that need to be increased. There's some things that need to go. Everybody say Amen. Do you know what I mean? There are th- some things in our relationships that need to be removed and gone. But there is nothing that is in your life that needs to be restored, that can be restored, that is godly, that, that God can't restore. He's a restorer. He can restore your marriage. He can restore your finances. He can restore your job. He can restore your health. God's a restorer. But we've been listening from, from the, the Sermon on the Mount, and what this is based on, we've been here for three weeks on building relationships, but if you remember from uh, Matthew chapter 6, we're talking about forgive, and you will be forgiven. One of the biggest problems in relationship is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Church, let's go back and let's think for just a minute. Forgive. What are you hanging on to? Let it go. Let it go. Ephesians chapter 4, this is where we left off last week. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. If you remember, this is a determination. We are making a declaration. We are making a, uh, we're, we're standing up for something, and that is to not let a corrupt word come out of our mouth. Remember what corrupt means? It means to kind of deteriorate, to hurt. Instead of building up, you're tearing down. Let no tearing down word come out of your mouth. You know, it's important that we do say negative things sometimes in relationships. But we can say them in a way that is not corrupt. There are times to be critical. This morning we we took off on a song and what y'all can't hear is what we're hearing. We're hearing something that's keeping us together. We're hearing things in in our headphones that hold us together. And we got off. And it was one of those things that if we didn't stop and restart, we would stay off the rest of the way. Well, let me tell you, in your marriage, sometimes you get off. And you need to stop and restart. Sometimes Elizabeth and I will get in an argument. And there are so many times that if we'll just stop and think and discuss and think about the other person for just a second and restart, we'll handle it in a complete different way. Sometimes you need to stop and listen, sometimes you need to stop letting corrupt words go out. And even though they still need to be critical sometimes, let them be, not be corrupt, but something that's going to build, something that you can build upon. Church, marriage is sometimes you've got to be critical. In your job, sometimes your boss has to be critical. But the key is don't let a corrupt word come out. It will build the relationship. Proverbs 15, chapter 1 Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 and 4 and verse 28. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. We are committing to pay attention to our speech. If you will pay attention to your speech and your relationships, your relationships will improve. They will. The Word tells us that they will. And you know what will happen? Even the guilty person that provoked your anger, provoked you, you'll turn away his anger. That's what a good word does. Not only will it turn away the person you're arguing with's anger, it'll turn your anger away. And you know, when both, per- when both parties are not angry, doesn't mean we still have something we got to deal with, but if both parties won't be angry, we can get to a solution. But anger messes everything up, and most of the time that anger is started by your mouth. Do you see the power of your words? So, we have this conflicting relationship. Don't raise your hand. Who has a conflicting relationship going on? Someone's troubling or bothering us. If you remember from last week, it's important. We looked at four things to look at when we're dealing with conflict, when we're dealing with broken relationships. It's our tone, the way we say it. It's our timing when we say it. It's with the right spirit. And do you remember the right ratio? That's a biggie, that you... Have a 10 to 1 ratio, 10 being encouraging words, 10 being encouraging words, 1 being critical words, 10 to 1 instead of just critical words. Everybody say amen. All right. We've got to create an environment where dialogue can happen. And when we have that correct environment, great things can happen. Our natural way of communicating is diving in when we're hurt and telling the other person about how we're hurt, not caring at all about the damage that we may be doing to our relationships. And actually, we're the ones being insensitive about our negativity, bringing up their negativity. An injured relationship cannot be restored in that kind of environment. It cannot be one-sided. So this is where we're going to start today, and it's going to be brief today. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself less you also be tempted considering yourself lest you also be tempted i know it can look from from the congregation standpoint that it looks staged and it looks like we have worked this out but this is the scripture for today it's about restoring a brother and we have not scripted this uh, even Zach asked me, do you realize all the, the threads going through our worship this morning? And he started tying that together, and I said, no, I didn't. I didn't do, That wasn't done on purpose. That was done weeks ago. God, God has a way of moving in our life, whether we know it or we don't. God is moving, and God is wanting to restore. I believe someone's going to get a word today for restoring a broken relationship that you have had no hope for. Two things are going to happen. You're going to get the Word of God, and you're going to walk through the Word of God, I hope. And then the Spirit of God, the supernatural, is going to kick in. You're going to take the Word. God's going to speak to you today about a relationship. And then God's going to kick in supernaturally. That's what I believe we have in front of us today. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a parent, whether it's just a coworker, And you're hurt and you're injured and there's no hope for restoring that relationship. I want you to know there is hope. There is hope. Paul said that if a man is overtaken in a sin, you who are spiritual, restore that person. But it says to do two things as you're restoring that person. Number one, speak in gentleness. Everybody say gentleness. A spirit of gentleness. That's number one. And number two, look to your own faults. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Look to your own faults. It's the idea of bringing your faults and your weaknesses to the discussion. It's not perfect you going to fix broken spouse. It's not perfect you going to fix broken friend. It's broken you going to help broken friend, broken spouse. Because we've all got issues. And we're going to help each other forward in God. And you know what that eliminates? It eliminates the talking down syndrome that causes negativity and it causes you, your relationships to escalate into more broken, brokenness in the relationship. Now, Paul again says, if a man is overtaken in sin, you know what he's saying? He really did it. We're not guessing. We're not wondering. He's done it. He did it. He did that. He did that sin. We're not questioning. He's not even doubting. He's not trying to say, oh, but it was someone else's fault. Nope, I sinned. He says, if a man is overtaken in sin, he is really guilty. He did it. He says, you who are spiritual. Maybe he's the guy's brother, sister, spouse, parent, good friend. But if you are spiritual a pretty big statement. If you're going to dive into this relationship, you need to recognize are you spiritual? Are you trying to come at this from a godly perspective? Okay, good. You need to get involved. You who are spiritual. If you are spiritual, try to restore him, not just vent your frustrations or your disappointments. You actually have a bigger agenda rather than putting him in his place. Amen? You are not here to put them in their place. We are not here to judge. God has got that under control. We're here to help them. We're here to help. Remember, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. You who are spiritual, it's time for you to be a part of the building process not the tearing down process. You who are spiritual, try to get him restored in the area of his failure and restore the relationship as well. Paul says that if you'll do that, number one, your goal is not to defend. Your goal is not to give them a piece of your mind. Your goal is not to put them in the penalty box. Your goal is to restore them in a full sense, in every way, relationally as well as spiritually. Paul says that if you are a spiritual person, that is your approach when someone is in trouble. He says, and when you do that, you've got to operate in a gentle spirit. If you have sarcasm, if you have a condescending lecturing tone, if you have anger, it's not going to work. But number two, don't just focus on the trespass of the brother. Focus on your own weakness, even bringing that into the dialogue when you're speaking to them that you are weak and that you are needy as well. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who realize they need God. So, just as an example, me and Justin, sorry Justin, you're just a paid staff, you just get to take this. You're in sin, I come to restore you. Part of my approach should be, I've been what you've been been through. I have done the things that you have done. Or if I've not done specifically, I've done these other things. And God's restored me. Now, we we don't want to act like it's not okay to keep doing those. We can't. But that part's over. Now it's time to figure out how do we restore. And I've been there. I hope that you have heard as I've preached, I try not to hide my past at all. It says that if I will confess my sins one to another, then he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. So when I come and you and I sit down and your life is falling apart, part of my approach if, as, a, as a spiritual person, you as a spiritual person bring something to the table. You have had brokenness somewhere in your life that God has helped you get through. Bring that to the table. You know, it says that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. That situation, that broken relationship needs the testimony. That's how we overcome Satan. We overcome Satan by the Spirit of God and by us walking it out. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. Do you see that when we come to the table to work things out, we've got to bring the Spirit of God and we've got to bring our brokenness and our great need. If not, we're going to come across as someone that has no need and we're all perfect and they can't relate because their life's falling apart. No, 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 no. Pastor Paul's been through that too. And he's come through it. I think I can get through it. And he's not chewing me out. He's not calling me and telling me everything I'm doing wrong all the time he's just calling to say are you okay are you getting through this can i help you and then we show up to help we don't just hang up the phone and hope they make it nope we're a part of the building process if he's overtaken in sin and we are working to journey to full restoration look at this scripture james 5 16 confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Have you ever thought about this scripture? Who's the one getting healed? I, I think if you and I get in a dialogue of coming clean before God, before man, before each other, I think we both get healed. It's saying to open up dialogue of how much you need God and how you've fallen on your own and how much that didn't work. But have you been through this? Yes, I have. Have you gotten through it? No, I'm not through it yet. Well, let me help you get through it. I have been through it, or I haven't either. Let's go together. That you may be healed. Who gets healed? The confessor. The confessor. That means if I want healing, I need to confess. That's part of my, that's part of my promise confess my sin. Why? Because I'm going to get free, and I'm going to get healed. James says, if you'll admit your faults in the process, you'll be healed physically, you'll be healed emotionally, your relationships will be healed. You'll be healed. doesn't say how you'll be healed. I think it's total healing. I think when we get involved with repentance and with walking out the Word of God, I think we don't have to go looking for the blessing. I think the blessing comes looking for us. The confessing, the acknowledging of our faults heals relationships. Even though the fault may be may not be as your fault may not be as big as the major fault that you're dealing with in someone else's life, but bringing it into your own confession, into bringing your own confession into the dialogue, will facilitate healing. Do you see the scripture that we have? That when we come to help restore someone, if you'll confess some of your stuff, if you'll let them know you're broken, it will bring healing. Amen. You may say, yeah, but I just want the truth. I just want the truth to come out. Let me encourage you just a minute. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where someone's just adamant about pounding on somebody. Um, I don't don't like that. And I've done it. Listen, I've done it. Well, if you want the truth to come out, maybe maybe it's against a person, a wife, a child, Someone in the church, I'm just saying, I want the truth to come out. Remember that the whole truth is their virtue, not just their failures. We can't isolate one little section of someone's life and claim that that is the whole truth of their life. It isn't. It isn't. If all you see is your, their failures, you're not saying the truth. You know, you may be in the middle of a sin, but I want you to know that even in the middle of that sin, God loves you. We want to get focused on the mountain in front of us, and we miss the whole game. That God is a graceful, merciful God. That's more important than the sin that sits in front of us. That if we can grasp the grace and the mercy of God we're not going to sin again. It's when we lose focus of that that we fall off the wagon. So the part of restoration is, is to get their mind off of that sin and get their mind back onto God. Are you all with me? Saying the truth, not isolating one part. So if you want the truth to come out, take time to say their virtues. And remember, when we do tell the truth about their failure and disappointment, we do it with a gentle spirit. You know, God doesn't tell us the whole truth about our failure. Why? Because it would overwhelm us and we'd quit. Can you imagine God bringing the whole truth to us? I mean, He's given us the truth. Don't don't get me wrong, but I mean... Can you imagine sitting down on the other side of a desk? You're at the principal's office and it's God. And God's going to give the whole truth of your failures. God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. We couldn't take it. So why do we do that to our neighbor? Have you ever been with someone that when one thing goes wrong, they tell you everything that you've ever, ever, ever done wrong? God doesn't do that. God removes it as far as the east is from the west. It's not it's once we've walked through repentance, it's no longer part of his dialogue. It's gone. God would say, "Why would you bring that back up? My son spilt his blood. He shed his blood for that and it's paid for. It's done. It is behind us. Move on." Move on. He doesn't overwhelm us. He's very gentle. He does bring conviction. But if we'll recognize it, He frees us of it. The point is that when we do tell the truth, the positive of the person and the negative, you don't have to unleash everything that's wrong with them because God doesn't do that to you. Talk to them with gentleness and mercy. Let that be a primary trait of your communication. Now, as I close and I wrap up this part on relationships, I'm going to talk just very briefly about complaints. Um, The book of Proverbs says so much about complaints. And in the book of Proverbs, it talks mainly often about the woman complaining. And Proverbs talks a lot about the man yielding to immorality. That does not mean that women don't have a problem with immorality, and it also doesn't mean that men don't have a problem with complaining. We are talking about complaints in relationship. I want you to know that if the dominant, the dominant communication skill, that if your dominant communication skill is complaining, you will run everyone off. Everyone. No one will stay there forever. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. I think if we could start to think, does my words build or do they tear down? Is my words corrosive or do they build the relationship? People would rather go live in a desert with no food or water than be in a place where they're confronted with complaints over and over and over. Can I tell you, husbands and wives, stop doing it. Stop it. Kids to your parents, cut it out. Parents to kids, cut it out. Let no corrupt word. Parents, start speaking the plan of God over your children. Start speaking forth good over your children. If nothing good is happening right now, speak it anyway. Speak it forth. Speak it into existence. We have power in our words. In Jesus' name, your son will be a great man of God. Do mighty things. Marry a great woman. Be a successful businessman or whatever in ministry, whatever, speak it now. Speak it. In Jesus' name, your daughter is going to be a mighty woman of God doing great things on this earth. Marry a great man. Do great things. Whatever. What are your dreams? What is God putting in your heart to pray over your child? You may say, I've never. I don't know. We'll start asking because God's got a plan, and he wants you in on that plan. Raise them up in the way that they should go. Not in the way you want them to go, in the way that they should go. Okay, God, that means my whole mindset's got to change on how I pray for my child. What's the way that they should go? God would finally say, man, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. Now you start speaking this. Because it's not happening now, that's okay. I'm going to speak it. Are you wanting to share It's time to speak it. It's time to speak over your spouse. Father, in Jesus' name, help me not be a complaining spouse, but help me start to speak forth the man or the woman of God that you've placed in in front of me. And help me not try to control them into what I want them to be, but God, help me to agree with what you want them to be. Start speaking it. No corrupt word. Everybody say, no corrupt word. Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. So the four main points of of relationship building, forgiveness, your tongue, restoration, and cut out the complaints. I want to challenge you to make this same decision that we made last week. This is our prayer for today. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Make a decision in your marriage, in your family. Church, we're going to embrace this as a relational culture. Now, I want you to know you're going to fail, but when you fail, call it a failure and repent and sign back up and get back on track. You know, if, if your ratio of... of uh, of, of building up words to complaining to, to critical words are ten to one, your wife is going to let you by with a mistake. Your husband's going to let you by with a mistake. Why? Because you filled her encouragement tank. You're going to mess up. You're going to stumble. But when you do, get up and sign back up and apologize man, I blew that. Will you please forgive me? I really didn't even mean it. It just slipped out of my, my mouth. I hope that's not in my heart. If it is, God, I want to look at that. What did I just say? Is that in my heart, God? Father, I repent of that. And I'm going to go start filling her tank again. Man, doing a yard sale, man, it's just waiting for complaints. She was yelling at me left and right. Don't you sell that. Don't you sell that. Don't let that go. Don't let that go. Someone walks up and goes, how much is this bag? How much is this bag? I don't know, three bucks? She goes, shut up. I got this. No, you did. But you know what? She is such an encourager. My tank's full. I can take those. In fact, I kind of laugh at it. Listen, listen, I, I bring up hers. I say so many. I say so many condescending, sarcastic things that I'm trying so hard to stop. But, I, you know, it's in us. Sometimes it takes a little bit to turn the Titanic around. (laughs) Didn't happen overnight. You're not going to go out here and be perfect. Husbands and wives, your spouses are not going to be perfect, but we've got to try. Let's start turning the Titanic around. We're aiming for an iceberg. Let's not hit it. Your marriage is aiming for an iceberg. Somebody is ringing the bell. God is saying, "I am giving you the way out. Now take it." So anyway, we're we're selling this uh, diaper bag. No, you can't. I'm talking. Sure enough, I mean it's it's we're we're in the eleventh hour. And I'm ready for everything to go. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, they ask how much you want for it. I'm sitting there thinking, well, should I just give it to them or should I pay them to take it? Because I don't want to take it. And I, I said something like $3 and she sure enough said, be quiet. And she got 7 for it. Amen. Husbands, there's a time to shut up. When you're shopping, that's probably a good time to shut up. I'm terrible at shopping. But every now and then, husbands and wives, daughters and sons, friends, siblings, sometimes you need a yard sale. And you need to clean out. You need to clean out. You need to clean out your house. You need to check your heart. And we need to start looking. Mainly our problems are our words. Let's get our words right. Amen? Can we agree? Let's start trying to walk out. Let no corrupt word. Amen? Let's stand up. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Would you start right there, just right where you sit? Just talk to God just like you would talk to your friend, like you would talk to your parent, like you would talk to your sister or brother. Like you would talk to your spouse. Just say, Lord Jesus, I can't do this on my own anymore. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I just ask you right now to come into my heart and save me. Jesus, it seems too good to be true. But you've been talking to me all morning. You've been pulling at my heart all morning. Will I give you my heart right now? Would you do that? You may be here today and say, Pastor, I don't think that I can do this, let no corrupt word, by myself. You know what? I want to encourage you. You can't. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to help you. And it's going to take your spouse and your neighbor to help you. I just pray right now for your spouse and your neighbor and your friend that, they, that the Lord would place a good friend, a spiritual friend next to you to help you. Because we can't do this on our own. Would you make that commitment? And you may say, Pastor, I just want you to pray with me. I just want to open the altar to anybody that needs prayer in that area. Maybe you got need prayer for healing. Maybe you need prayer for a job. Maybe you need prayer for your future. Maybe you need prayer for your marriage. Take a chance and let God, let God have a part in your life right here and help you walk through this. Would you? Just open the altar now. Those that are praying with me as Zach sings, we just open the altar right now to anything that you may need, any any need that you have with God.